in a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Hello. Oh, finally. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I needed to de like to deinstall the app and reinstall it, and now it's working perfectly. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pamela. How's it going? Good. Good. I'm having a great day. I had a good weekend, so I'm very excited for the week ahead. Awesome. That's great. Well, uh, my week's already have you know a day and a half into it, but that's great. Um, so what we're trying, what I'm trying to do here on you know the Empathize It podcast is to meet with entrepreneurs around the world who are doing amazing things and to hear about their experiences um, in terms of the soft skills, in terms of you know the things that most people don't talk about when they're building their business. The, those things that are usually unstated because they're not as interesting or <laughs> compelling. You know, those kind of things. But if I recall, Pamela, the last time we spoke, which is a couple of, about a week or two ago, you mentioned something, some, you know, very big headline about something you did right before the end of uh, 2018 that was pretty uh, bold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's stuff that a lot of people are um, usually don't want to talk about because they think, you know, it doesn't get as many likes as that and so on, but it's secretly it's stuff that a lot of people actually need to hear and are looking forward to hear. So, yeah, yeah happy to, to share more about that time. <laughs> so why don't we take, take me back to December 2018 as you're planning your year ahead, uh, a woman who is, was elected or selected by the Forbes 30 Under 30 came to Jerusalem not about two years ago or three years ago already, came to the Forbes 30 Under 30 conference. That's where we met. And you're about to embark on your strategy for 2019, and you do something quite bombastic, which is? Yeah, so it, it actually started, like, in, in, in like, mid-November. And I decided to let go about half of my clients, which at the point, like, mid-November, it wasn't clear for me totally that this was what was going to happen. But um, I just decided that w from now on, the main focus of the company will be to work with established companies because what we have seen is that a lot of people think that, oh, now we can start Google ads or now I can start Facebook ads and the sales are going to come in like this. But that's just not how it is. Like there's so much other stuff that belongs to it. And if you're not clear about your branding, if you're not, uh, if you don't even have a proper like social media strategy, if um, if you don't know how your business model looks like or how your sales process sales process really works, then the ads are just going to be thrown out money. And so we now direct like startups that are interested towards other resources, like maybe taking a Google Ads course first or um, a mini course on branding and so on, because we've seen that those that are really clear about what they want and where they where they want to go. We can like when we create the ad strategy for them, we usually have a minimum like four to five X return for their ad spend. And so with those companies, it works really well. And of course, in the beginning, it's a little bit scary because you're like, oh, my God, okay, so basically I'm not, you know, renewing like half of these clients, um, which, of course, also has a financial implication. But 
I just knew that I'm going to be in such a better energetic space that I'm going to make space to really for those to come in that we work best with. And that alone is just going to give us much more opportunity to deliver even better results. So if I understood correctly, and I was remember, I remember my reaction the first time I heard this was that you let go of half of your clients because they're, for whatever reason, their strategy or their digital strategy, whether it's on social or the ads, which is what you focus on, were not clear or they weren't fine-tuned enough to be able to really get a solid ad strategy out and to really launch something successfully. So you decided instead of trying to basically deal with or confront the issue of always having to try to play on the defensive, you decided to just cut them off and start 2019 with a fresh start. Yeah, because the thing is, on the one hand, like I, I really care a lot about other people and I really care a lot about our clients and I easily tend to get to, to the point where I care too much about it, where we over deliver and it becomes a norm for them. And we just spend way too much time explaining them stuff that had nothing to do with ads, but um, to improve the homepage and so on, which is like, we tend to give that advice, but you know, it's, about them to implement it. So we try to make it really clear in the beginning, look, like now working with us doesn't mean like you can just lean back and relax and everything is going to be fine. But it usually means oh, that you also like you... That. Hmm? It's not like that? Yeah, unfortunately not. Clients <laughs> <laughs> um, that we get also have that same that same problem where they just think that they've they've checked off the box of social media or content and all of a sudden everything's just going to start pouring in. So yeah, and I mean, nowadays, this is also a little bit with connect, especially with the startups with on the one hand, we have this entrepreneurship hype where, you know, everybody thinks they can be an entrepreneur, but very few lack the self-awareness to ask themselves, okay, am I really an entrepreneur? Am I, am I ready for this emotional roller coaster that comes with it? Um, or am I not actually a better employee in a company? And then on the other hand, we just have way too many people that read Tim Ferriss for our work week. It's a great book. I like Tim Ferriss, but a lot of them misinterpret it, especially when you start off a company. You can just not like lean back and then um, hire someone for marketing, hire someone for accounting and just tell everyone, OK, you do this, you do this and give away all the responsibility. Of course, it's easy. You know, I can say if something didn't work out. Oh, yeah, like it's, it didn't work out because you didn't do your job. But then right. those people don't even know about the basics of marketing. And so like what we notice that the clients where that really perform best are those that have a little bit of knowledge of everything because they know they need to understand the basics. But then, of course, you know, they, they hire a specialist for accounting, for production, for video, for social media and so on. Right. So so you're so you've you you've boil down your client list you kind of fun you kind of find you um filter down your client list to those that are really in your eyes the ones that could have the most potential for success and obviously the relationship is good how did the clients that you had to let go and the ones that were not on the right side of the of the equation of 2019 how did they react when you when you explained it obviously there was they were surprised but what was the what was the overall response well, so when you get to that point, usually it it is close to a mutual understanding, you can almost say. So I didn't really make an effort to keep them. 
Um, and so it wasn't really a surprise to them because on the one hand, they are also unhappy because they don't understand what's going on. And so I'm like, well, look, we've tried it, but let's be fair and let's be completely neutral, like no emotions here, but this just doesn't work. Like you first need to work on this and this and this before we can actually make this work. So, um, yeah, no big emotions. It was at times it was very stressful, but the stressful part was more like, because I had gotten into other, into doing so much additional stuff that was really not part of, of our normal work. And where I say, this is, this doesn't even have to do anything anymore with like over delivering, but it's like typical admin stuff where you like, um, you like to your client, like, Hey, you know, just like read the contract, um, read the emails right. that we send you, you know, don't, don't let us always send you like three reminders. If you can't make a meeting, um, like let us know in advance so so things like this where I was just like really tired I was like no like this is not what I want to work with this I, I want to work with something else and so I think I just got really clear about my standards and I think I've really had the courage to say you know what I'm gonna go for it because right now literally I got nothing to lose <laughs> so right. yeah that's good. you've got only thing to anything to everything to gain so uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you for taking that bold, bold step because many entrepreneurs would be so hungry for money and hungry for the growth and being able to say that we have five clients, 10 clients, or whatever the number of clients that you had previously, that they'd be willing to do everything. And there are a lot of companies and more like startups and entrepreneurs who are saying is, we'd, why should we say no to something? We'd rather say yes to a lot. And then later on, you know, you know, they'll learn their lesson. So the fact that you were able to say no and put your foot down is already an amazing step. Now, my question to you is, for the clients that are on the right side of the uh, 2019, the ones you're working with now, you're engaging with them, you're conversing with them, and you're running successful ad campaigns that are four to five X what their investment is, which is already an impressive number. What is it about those clients that you really feel is it Im- impressive to you that you're, 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 you're willing to continue with them? It's great that you're asking this question. I just actually wrote an article for, for our newsletter about this. And there's really four things that I I'll, took I'll to see. Sure, I'll make sure you send me that link so we can include it in the... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, in- <laughs> um, there's really, like, I think I nailed it down to four things. Um, on the one hand, they understand that, of course, you know, it's not just them giving away responsibility, but that they really need to, like, step up their own game, too. Um, secondly, they're clear that their homepage needs to be on top or that the homepage is at least like a continuous piece for improvement. Um, because I can, I can have very well performing ads in terms of the click through rate, in terms of position, in terms of the cost per click and so on. But if the person gets to the homepage and doesn't find the information that they want, doesn't, you know, when when they click on a button and it doesn't work, um, when the page doesn't load, that's really frustrating. And then they just, you know, go off to the competitor and you lost them, but you spent money on them, which is a pity. Um, They have a clear and a proven business model. So they know how they acquire customers and what their funnel is like. So for example, they have an online store, they got a social media channel where they post like once or twice a week or even more often. Um, They post their Instagram stories, they um, send out a newsletter, they have an email list and so on. And they know that, well, um, people that come through social media have this and this value that come through, for example, uh, Instagram story have this and this value. So they already have kind of like a clear idea of 
how they make money and it's been proven. So they have a, a track record of revenue that's been coming in. Um, so that was the third part. And then the fourth one is, well, there's actually then five. So the fourth one is they're clear what they stand for. So they, they know what the brand is and how, and who their target customer is super, super important. Something that a lot of startups lack in the beginning. And then the fifth thing is what I've mentioned before, the kind of like general knowledge of various areas of marketing, the eagerness to learn and just understand the basics of ads and analytics. So our most successful clients like really ask questions about ads analytics. They want to learn, they want to understand it. And because they know that if they have that knowledge, they'll be able to make much better decisions and overall for, for their company. Absolutely. So, so you're working, you've, you've outlined these five great pointers, which I think is good. It's not only for the clients that you're working with, are, which are more PPC related or, you know, kind of, let's call it yeah. ad, ad related, uh, digital ad related, but there's actually clients that should be the model for any good cl- client based uh, company or a client based service is that they really understand their space. They know who their customers are. They know that what they know the basic or the basic outlines of what they're trying to what they're trying to achieve with their marketing efforts, and they have an eagerness to grow and eagerness to learn from the professional. That it's okay to hire an outside company or outside consultant or whatever it is, but as long as they're willing to learn and and they're being part of that conversation, as opposed to just setting it off and writing it off and saying it's okay now you're take it over. Yeah, and I mean a lot of, for example, marketing companies would be afraid of like giving away knowledge and then you know like they they would think in a way of like oh but they're just going to work with us for three months and then they're going to take everything over and do it themselves the the real companies that are built for the long-term sustainable way they don't hire you for just three months because they know they hire you because they need a specialist constantly on their side and they know that even in three months they're not going to have the knowledge that you have in order to succeed in whatever area that they hired you for so they think long-term too and they know that you can you can already do a lot in three months, but honestly, like it's much more of what you plan for like six, nine, twelve months or even more that's gonna have a better impact because you're gonna have like a red line, you can plan for like seasonalities, you can analyze those things, you know, okay, well, remarketing works better in January because that's how we can keep our customer conversion low. And then we build more like similar audiences starting February or March or so. So they really understand the long-term aspect of it. Absolutely. So your clients right now, or the customers that you're working with right now are mostly startups. Are there, are there in a specific on a space within startups or are they run the gamut of the startup space or is there anything else? No, right now it's really like, I think I have one or two startups left, but the, the, la- the other ones are really established companies where most of them have been around for like at least seven to 10 years, some oh, okay, even great. like 30 30. Okay. Wow. Those are really established companies. Um, and so when you're working with these companies and you're trying to get them to embrace digital marketing, because some of them, I would imagine, especially the 30 year old company is probably more set in their way than they're more, let's call it traditional in their approaches. How did you get them to understand the importance of digital or the importance of working on that kind of aspect of the, of the client acquisition funnel, as opposed to the methods that they might've been doing up until now? Yeah, so I think what's, what's maybe interesting to know is that I do not try to convince people of digital because uh-huh. I feel like they should be already at the point where they understand 
the importance of digital, where, where I prefer to start working with them. And, I think that's the best way. <laughs> yeah, and, and so there's uh, one company I can give an, as, as an example of this. Uh, yeah, they're, they're 30 years old, actually. And so they have a home page, they have a home page, they have a large customer base and everything. And the two guys that are leading, or three guys that are leading the digital marketing department are super aware of like the importance of ads and, and social and everything. But the, the company leadership is still very traditional. So actually the, the guys internally did kind of like the, the um, convincing work of the company leadership to say, hey, we need to actually start doing this because other companies have been doing this and so on. So they've been doing this work internally and then what we did is, okay, like, let us know if you need any other information that could help you in that way. And then also, as we work together now, like, we make sure that they have all the information that they need in an easily digestible way. And in some instances, we actually say, you know what, take your, your company leadership or the person that then makes the decisions in the end, and we'll do a quick one to two hour workshop with them. We don't charge for this. Like this is part of like the 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 collaboration, and right. we then give them a quick overview and say, "Hey, look, this is important for you to know. It's not important for you to now know how to put up ads, but it's important for you to know as a leader in a company in order to make an educated decision." So you're empowering the people at the top to understand what they're doing, even if they're not going to be executing, because you're really the executing body of the ads and whatever the different kinds of ads you're going to be doing. And even though they have an internal staff that's working on social and digital, you're really there to provide the expertise in terms of the targeting, in terms of the conversions and things like that. And they're, and the internally they're doing not only the day-to-day work within the team, but also making sure that they're, they're, they're your communication channel, basically. Yeah. Because the ones in the end, like at least the leadership of the people that, that, we, we uh, look at for the leadership uh, role here are the ones that then approve the budget in bigger right. companies. And it's so important that they understand it. Um, I mean, I, I didn't yet have too many of those, but I sometimes also have either the finance responsible or even the IT person in one of my workshops sitting. And so that like uh, public workshops, not client specific workshops, and then those people are the ones that actually have been changed the most because they see, wow, like I now understand the language that my colleagues are speaking. So, so you're also providing, so besides the workshops you provide internally, you're also doing is you're providing workshops. I'm imagining these are free, open to the public kind of workshops for different people who want to learn a basic, a basic overview of digital marketing to get to understand that space a little bit. They may not go into it ever, but as long as they have some sort of overview and that way they feel like they're educated in some way as opposed to being completely in the dark yeah so so they are not they're not free anymore really okay. <laughs> i have to admit okay, um but but uh there are so there is um a google ads online course that i've created which is going to be updated like um every quarter once because i want it to be the most updated course out there and that's really to start off and get from zero to a hundred and then there is something that i call the google ads intensive which is a two-day workshop with people that have already been working with Google ads, but now want to get to an advanced level. And there's like five to 10 people, super focused, two days, specialized knowledge, um, audits of accounts and so on. So you, and didn't I notice, I think recently that you were starting one or you're about to start a a two day intensive course somewhere? Mm, Yeah, I got a a couple put up right now, for example, New York and Vienna. 
Cool. And so you're going to be traveling a lot to do to these are one on these are in person uh, courses or you're doing them virtually. Yeah, yeah, it's in person. Yeah, and they are usually capped at five to ten people because I prefer to really work with smaller groups. Um, and people actually have to apply for it because we've seen if people have don't have the right experience, they easily get overwhelmed by what we work on in, in during those two days. Absolutely. So you've qualified your leads that way as well. Awesome. Yeah. So now, now Pamela, I, I forgot to ask the questions beforehand because we just got into the conversation, which was that big bold statement of the beginning of our conversation so how did you get to the point of being uh selected and being nominated for the Thur- forbes 30 under 30 a couple of years ago i think it was in 2017 16 yes uh, the actual what i got on the list in 2017 but i was at the forbes conference in israel the first time in 2016 right. and so the thing was, it, it was one of my goals, like after I had left Google, because when, you, when you're just on your own, um, it, it's, it's good to sometimes have some external confirmation that, okay, you're on the right way. And right. on the other hand, I, would, I also just wanted to expand my network and just see what else is out there and really get inspired by some other people. And so I went to the conference in 2016. I applied for it. I wasn't yet on the list. And so they, they accepted me, had a blast at the time, was amazing. And in um, so and then I was like, oh, okay, cool. So now I'll, I'll apply to be on the list, like at the end of 2016. Mm-hmm. And then what happened, like I think November, December 2016, I checked the homepage for the application and it said application is closed. And I was like, oh God, really? Like I've worked on this for like one and a half years or two years been visualizing been to the conference and now it's closed like okay guess I gotta go back to the conference and so I went back in 2017 to the conference anyway it was a lot of fun I mean the food is amazing in Israel I just love the food and so went back again was a completely different experience beautiful too and um yeah had a good time didn't think much of of the list at this point and about a week later a girl added me on Facebook and if someone asked me on Facebook that I don't know uh, why they would add me but I see okay that could be an interesting person to connect with I usually ask them hey like what's the reason to connect and so she writes me she's like hey um it would be amazing or it would be great to meet up for coffee I've been seeing what you're doing like through the WhatsApp group for example that we have and I'd love to write an article about you. And I was like, whoa. So that girl back then worked with Forbes. Oh, and, there we go. Uh, yeah. And um, I've literally been visualizing it for the past years. Like I sat down, I closed my eyes. I imagined how my picture would be in a magazine, what would be written next to it, and so on. And so we meet up for a coffee. And amazing woman. I'm still in touch with her today. We had a great conversation. And just within the middle of the conversation, he's like, oh, and by the way, we'll take you on this year's list. And I was like, whoa. Um, That's all. Yeah. I mean, of course, in my head, I was dancing. And so back then, it was actually only a list of 30 people for Germany, Switzerland, Austria. So that's 30 people out of 100 million people. So I was just like, like, it was even better than I could have ever imagined it. And have immense gratitude for for that moment that girl and that's awesome yeah, the whole community 
And well, and the, the the reason for being selected was because of your work as an entrepreneur in terms of educating people about digital, about the work as growing your own business. Is that the was that the reason? I'm not trying to pry, but my kind of just to understand better. I don't remember the the. the I, I know they they select people at different for different re- reasons for different verticals. What was the 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 the, the reason driving force for selecting you? Yeah, so I think there were a couple of them. On the one hand, I I started my own company when I was 23, which is a very young age, especially in Austria. And okay. I had already worked at Google. I had already, like, um, I even now I speak, like, more than five languages. And I had trained, like, already thousands of people all over the world in, like, all kinds of topics. Uh, worked with clients all over the world. Ran my company completely location-dependent. So I think... Another thing that fascinates most people is that since the the company founding, like actually like three years ago, I've grown the company consistently by running it from anywhere. So I've been now to more than 75 countries. And I think awesome. that was another reason because there's barely any Austrian at this age that has been to so many countries. Um, That's awesome. So yeah, it was a variety. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. So you're working on this amazing company that's taking you around the world, running cl- now you're working with a fewer clients than you were last year. What is it about the the entrepreneurial experience that excites you? And and how does it work? How does it for you? What are the things that most people don't talk about as an entrepreneur that many entrepreneurs need to know about? So I think what many people are not aware of is, and I think for men that's even harder to grasp than for women is the emotional roller coaster that you are on, and that in a way that is very hard to understand for anybody who has not been in a position like how do you deal with fear when you have the feeling of everything's breaking down of course it's not everything always works out in the end um but how do you deal with that fear how do you how do you deal with growth how do you deal with having more demand coming in than you can handle how do you like how clear are you about your own standards how aware are you of yourself so there's a lot of internal work that many people wait to do until it's too late. So I've seen like people making millions of their companies, selling it for millions and so on, but they're completely broken internally. They, they don't know how to form relationships. They don't know who to trust. They don't know who to, tr- they, they don't know who to trust their, how to trust their gut instincts. And these things make you sick in the end. And not just that, but there's a lot of other like negative implications to that. And so I really focused a lot on the personal development aspect. aspect. And I think that has helped me to, you know, stay sane, enjoy it. I, lo- I also love the roller coaster because I know whenever there is a down, there is an even better up. And I built up like a support network of people. And oh my God, I could talk like another hour about this. I'm trying to keep it short here. <laughs> okay, so... So now, when you're working with clients, there's a lot of the, you know, there's obviously they're looking for the ROI, they're looking for the success metrics, they're looking for the hard results. But there's also comp- components of working with clients that are usually not the ones that people like to talk about, what I like to call the soft skills or the ones that are kind of less interesting, less compelling in the conversations when you're working with new clients or existing clients. Those soft skills, what are those things that every entrepreneur should really be more aware of? What are those things that you say is, if every entrepreneur knew, knew, or knew how to, to develop them correctly, everyone would be in a better state. I think expectation setting is very important. That 
that you clearly say, look, this is this is what I'm good at. This is what I can do for you. But this is not my area of responsibility. And so I'm really clear up front with my clients. Like I actually make them sign the statement that I do not promise them any ROI. Because if we wow. just start to work together, I do not have an insight into many things that I need in order to make the, the work work. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one thing. And when clients ask me stuff, like I just clearly say, look, I don't know this or we need to lift this up or uh, look, I think actually there's a person that would be much better fitted to do this for you. So, and, and really not pretending anything. And, and I think they also know that I really don't do things for money. So I wouldn't say, Oh, let me also offer you this so I can make more revenue. Or let me take on SEO. Or, let me do this. this like just that I get more money. Like it's really not worth it for me. And so the so, transparency, transparency is really key when you're working with that, that initial begin, the phase of working with a client and throughout the time that really being transparent about well, with their, with your customers. Yeah. And so I think it's through that transparency, building up the trust and saying, look, you know, at any point in time, um, who you're working with and like what kind of work you're receiving or you can be expecting. I think that's right. super, super important. Are there any other skills that when you're trying to build your campaigns, because campaigns can be built very easily by just un- identifying the target audience, finding the keywords, and then putting it all together. But there's other things that are, you know, there's a little bit more of a, you know, analytics that goes into just uh, g- going into building the campaigns. And there's some things that are not necessarily clear cut when you're building campaigns. There are some things that are, you know, you have to, you have to, some intuitions, how do you put that into into words when you're speaking to your clients in terms of getting making sure they understand that it's not just keywords, content, run the ad? I take them through the campaigns. Like we take them through the campaigns in detail, like extensions, bidding settings, and so on, and, and explain it to them. And they actually want to learn about it. So they, they're really interested and they, they're keen to listen. So taking them literally through the campaigns and showing them, look, this is actually you know, what it takes. This is what we added. Um, in terms of analytics, this is what we adjusted. This is why it is important. And I've never had a client say, oh, no, stop, I'm not interested. That's so all of them listen super eagerly and, and are, yeah, really in for the learning process. That's great. So besides doing this amazing work and traveling around the world with and, and you know, teaching, not only teaching digital marketing to people in different 75 countries, which is impressive, but also running this amazing company. Are there any things that you're doing that are also beyond the, you know, let's call it the digital marketing space? Um, so in the digital marketing space itself, the other thing that I focus now more on is actually teaching at university. So I just finished the first course that I hosted in a bachelor program at the Vienna awesome. University of Economics. That was, it was amazing. I loved it. And so I'm planning to expand that a lot more. And outside that, I'm actually studying for a master's degree in uh, psychology at Harvard Extension School. So that's one thing that I'm pursuing, which seems completely unrelated. But, no, it's um, I think it's actually very related. Uh, yeah. To, psychology, to understand this, the brain, the psychology of a person's decisions and purchase decisions and, you know, and decisions and how they make, how they get to a certain product or anything will really help you enhance your business and your ability to provide tremendous value to your customers. Yeah, absolutely. And um, then one, one interesting thing that's also been developing over the last like one or two years is that I figured out that 
a lot of men tend to struggle with um with uh like how to raise their like confidence and really become confident communicators especially in this world where we have like you know all this kind of feminism and you know women on the rise stuff so that they really become a lot insecure of like how or who they can be in certain situations and all those people are kind of turning out to be type a personality men who are very intense who are very driven and successful but they wouldn't show any vulnerability whatsoever perceived weakness in public to a woman maybe and but there's no way that they would up and open up with another man or with a male coach and they started open up, opening up with me. And so I've started to see a pattern and I've started to take on the first couple of clients and I'm seeing amazing results. So, so yeah. it's kind of, you're giving the, I guess the type A male, you're giving them some more skills of how to be comfortable with their vulnerabilities. Yeah. Yeah. And also navigate this sometimes extremely complicated world that we are in right now where roles just merge or sometimes not clear anymore. Um, but deep within us, we still need those roles. And so a lot of people are struggling with that. That's, that's amazing. So you've built this amazing business. You are now working on not only teaching other people about it and make, profiting from it, obviously, and working with great customers and clients that you have chosen, you know, you've made the conscious decision, which ones to work with, which ones not to work with. You're also working with the, I guess you're, you know, in some ways it's your, your, your colleagues, for, in the male version of your, of you who are trying to be, are, are still trying to figure out how to be vulnerable or how, how to be comfortable with, with what's going on in, in all the changing roles. Where do you see your company? And after all the successes it's had in the last couple of years, where do you see the company going in the next year and, and moving into, two, you know, 2019, 2020? So, on the one hand, we'll have a clear separation of the kind of startups and beginners in the ad space, where we'll focus much more on them, on serving them through online education. Because, like, my knowledge is needed. I've seen it a lot, and I'm more than happy to give it on. And on the other hand, we'll really strongly focus on established companies that really are ready to grow on the digital side. So we kind of have those two areas and it's basically about expanding the impact while working with the right clients, um, reaching more people and therefore hoping to help many other companies grow and through the online ad space. So I've asked this question to someone else who I, who also works in the SEO PPC space recently, who I interviewed, I asked them, you know, many people are saying is now SEO is basically, or PPC is basically kind of, plateaued or some ways it's kind of reached its peak and he said it's actually not at all it's basically just starting out we're only at the infancy of the of the industry of you know seo ppc what are your thoughts on that yeah i mean the thing is it's especially google ads that's the main money machine for google and it's not going to stop for a long time because that's what what google gets its revenue from to invest in a lot of other projects that they're doing and what I see, especially also in the developing countries, is that people are just starting off with the search behavior. So in terms of marketing, they're moving more and more from word of mouth, which is still important. It will always be important. But moving from word of mouth to actually seeing, oh, okay, there's a lot of other opportunities for me to actually get knowledge and get information and compare product services. 
And so I would definitely agree with him that it's something that's still going to be relevant for a long time, still going to grow and has a lot of space to develop still. Of course, you know, of course, since you're agreeing with him, but he actually said the same thing about developing countries. They're just starting on their yeah. digital marketing you know, trajectory. So they're really that's where the opportunities lay is in those developing countries. And while the, you know, we'll call it the most Western countries are already developed and in, in that, you know, the, the peak of the trajectory, then the developing countries already are just starting out. So you have the opportunity there to really build it up and really to, oper- you know, create a, a really good campaigns and also to really educate and to provide tremendous value. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was in, I was in Uganda um, in autumn and we held some trainings there and there was so much interest for it and about it. And people are also like paying for it. A lot of people make the mistake that they think people in developing countries don't have no money, which is absolutely wrong and damaging. Um, so there is so much untouched potential still. Like it's so beautiful. That's awesome. Which is so far you've been to so many different countries. What's your favorite country that you visited so far besides Israel? Cause I'm a little biased, but yeah, I understand that. <laughs> um, I, you know, to be honest, I don't have one favorite country really because there's different countries are amazing for different reasons. So for example, I love Jamaica. Um, mm-hmm. like the beaches are beautiful the food is amazing the people are there's also a lot of potential there again uh, Tanzania and South Africa are amazing for their their uh, nature and the diversity that they have uh, Sri Lankan food and hospitality are amazing uh, China has an incredible history I wouldn't necessarily live in China but I would always go back and visit because I think it's a very fascinating culture and country China is so, interesting I really can't give you a clear answer on that. That's all right. Okay, so now I, I, I like to end the, the podcast with, first of all, thank you for your time because, you know, everyone's got their busy day and everyone's, you know, doing their own thing. So I really appreciate it. But I usually ask them, uh, ask every one of my guests, so I'll ask you the same one, is three things that Pamela is doing besides working on her company and her business. Three things, you know, could be anything. Three things that you're doing that are just um, for yourself, for your own personal growth. Workout. I love to do sports. Um, I've been doing competitive sports since I was nine years old. Now I don't do that many competitive sports anymore, but I work out a lot. Um, the second thing would be reading. I just love to read. What did you do when you were growing up? Oh, sorry. I didn't hear it before. I I started off with basketball. So it's kind of funny when most most people see me because I'm like one meter, 60 centimeters. I'm not the tallest person, but I actually played basketball championships. And I I did swimming, running. Uh, I tried out martial arts at some point. I did some dancing, inline skating, skiing, of course, like I grew up skiing. All the I've tried out some of the different things so far already. What's your go-to sport now as you're growing, as you are kind of being now busier with your business and career? Mm, I'm actually about to hit the, the slopes tomorrow. So I'm going skiing again. I, jealous. yeah, I've been waiting for it for two years now. Uh, <laughs> and snowboarding again and I haven't gotten a chance yet. So yeah. And then just the, the high intensity training every Every I, I try to do it like four to five times a week minimum. 
because that's something I can do wherever I travel. And it's something, it's an easy sports routine for me to stick to. Right. And you said reading, what books do you like to read? What kind of books are you reading that are interesting? So I actually just read two novels. They were from Austrian authors that I got as a gift. And it was, it was a pleasurable experience because I only read mostly like uh, personal development books or strategy books and so on. And then, so now I have in front of me the, the Peter F. Drucker reader from the Harvard Business Review. So it's a, he's pretty much seen as the father of modern management thinking. And the second book is You Are a Badass at Making Money from Chen Sincero. Okay. I'd have to see those books. We'll have to put them into the, uh, the list of books that people are suggesting. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, is there anything else besides the online course that you're going to be sending this, the link to, which is going to be updated soon, and the, you know, the blog post that you're going to be sending to your newsletter that you're going, to send us to, you're going to send me as well? Anything else that you want us to know about Pamela and, and your business that you know, we should, we'll, we'll be able to include? Um, I, I can pretty much be, be found on, on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, so the normal social media channels with, with my name. So that's where people are more than welcome to follow me. My company is also on all these three channels. So, awesome. yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pamela. And we'll, I'm looking forward to sharing this with everyone uh, around, around and all, all my listeners. All the best. Yes. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate your work in, in sharing all this knowledge. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.